Well, hello again, and welcome to another episode of Salt and Light. I'm Dan DeVilliers here in the studio again with Dr. Philip Stott, who's been our guest uh, last week to discuss the topic of theistic evolution that we see a tremendous rise in, even within the churches. And we're here to discuss ways that we can engage with this concept of theistic evolution. Last week, we looked at some of its history and what gave rise to it, why we see it so popularly around us. But today we'd like to focus on how we can actually engage with people that would hold to a theistic evolutionary model of creation or of origins so that we can be better equipped for persuading people of the truths of the Bible and clarifying the inconsistencies with some of the evolutionary models that are around us. So welcome Dr. Stott, thank you so much for joining us. Let's begin with this question of the beginnings. Why is it so important that we have a correct understanding of the beginnings? What, what is it in that, um, that worldview that's so important to our understanding of God, of, of other things? Why in, is the, the beginning so important? Well, <clears throat> for centuries, for thousands of years, philosophers, thinkers have realized that there is one really big question that needs to be answered, and that is, why is there something instead of nothing? And over the centuries, it's been realized there are actually only two answers to that question. Either the creation was created by a creator, or the creation created itself. Now, we can imagine why people would like to believe that the creation created itself. Because if the creation just happened, that's the way things are, um, then there was no mind involved in this creation. We are here just by chance. We have nobody and nothing to answer to. Our life is our own. Our bodies are our own. We can do with them what we like. And I could imagine that most people throughout history would have chosen to believe this. And the only reason why they wouldn't believe it is because the evidence suggests that it can't be true. Now, if you accept the worldview that the creation was created by a creator, then you immediately have the question, why did he create it? He must have created it for a reason. There must be a reason for our being here. And if that's so, then there is the possibility that at some stage we will be asked to give an account of what we did with the life that he gave us. Now, that is a scary thought. If I'm going to have to give an account, then maybe I'd better try and live a life that I won't be ashamed of when I come to stand before this creator. So, as far as I can see, throughout history, all societies that I, I know of, apart from the communist society of this century, 
they have all been so um, sure that the creation could not have created itself, that they have always looked to some kind of power which created it. Now, in some cases, like, for example, um, the Christian faith, we look to one God who created all this. And the internal evidence of creation certainly supports the idea there must have been one extremely powerful, extremely intelligent creator. But there have been other uh, societies who've thought of many or multiple gods and this creation depends on the work of all of them. But until communism, all of these societies looked to some creative power because, well, everybody knows that something can't come out of nothing. It is the experience of everybody's life that things don't just appear out of nothing. Now, what has happened to make the other worldview now very popular is that people have been persuaded that the universe did create itself. Now, it's hard to see how a Christian can believe that worldview. A Christian believes in an all-powerful God. So why on earth should he accept the atheist view that the creation created itself? There was an accident somehow, and just by chance, material was created. The popular story now is in a big bang. And just by chance, this material came together, and um, life came from this material just by chance, and then over a long period of time it slowly evolved, changed into more and more complex things, and eventually became man, and here we are. Now, how is it possible that a Christian can believe this story? Well, it has come about because society Western society, the society we live in, has become uh, bewitched by science. Our whole uh, civilization now looks upon science as having all the answers. Scientists must know what they're talking about because, well, they're experts in these things. And Christians also have been drawn in to this reverence for science and have been persuaded, well, if the scientists say that there's evidence for evolution and that one thing turned into another and eventually ended up as man, well, they've got all the evidence, they must know what they're talking about, so, well... We have to believe it would be stupid not to because, well, there's all this evidence. Now, this is a very sad situation because the Bible tells us that the wisdom of man is foolishness. 
So why on earth would a Christian think that the scientists have got something which is not foolishness, but absolute truth? And this is the sad situation that there are many Christians now who want to carry on believing in the Christian faith, but they are so convinced that science has proved various things that they just have to believe it. And they need to make some kind of excuse why the Bible says one thing and means another. And there have been uh, very good experts, experts in science with trained minds for thinking, bringing up arguments, um, being creative in looking into possibilities, people like Hugh Ross, who have spent a lot of time and skill in inventing stories, inventing scenarios, inventing ways in which one could interpret the Bible in terms of this infallible wisdom that the scientists have come up with. And this is a very sad fact. And how do you reach these Christians who um, have fallen into this? Now, when I first came up, up against secular um, theistic evolutionists, I would point out problems with the theories of evolution and time and they would uh, say well this may be an impossibility but God specializes in, possible, um, in impossibility he can do things that um, man can't and so evolution is feasible even though you can bring up facts which disprove it. So I would then say to uh, theistic evolutionists, well, if God is powerful and he can do all these things that you're claiming he's doing, wouldn't he have been able to, to make the creation the way he said he did? Why don't you believe that? But somehow that doesn't seem to, uh, to phase them at all. They just say, oh, well, uh, God was speaking to unlearned people, primitive people who didn't have a great deal of knowledge. So he put things in a very simple way that even a child would understand and left it until... Man developed in his wisdom and his understanding and understand how things really are. And now we can see, well, it's a simplified version that God put forward, but we can see the complexities of it. And that's why we believe this story. And I would say, but 
Jesus said, unless you become as a little child, you will not enter the kingdom of heaven. And he said, oh, well, we can be like a little child, but we don't have to be childish. Believing in the uh, stories of the Bible, when we know that things are actually much more complex, when the Bible says just a few days and we have got all this proof that it's billions of years, it would be childish to stick with the original and be like those primitives who didn't know any better because now we do know better. So we can be childlike but not childish. So one can see it's difficult to reach a theistic evolutionist. But the only way we can, we can break into this is to go back to the beginning. The, the theistic evolutionist has been persuaded by the secularist's conviction that the universe created itself. And that is the only reason for these theories that the atheists, secularists put forward. It's the only reason they put forward for their theories. And we should point out to the secular humanist that this is the worldview of this world, but the Christian has the worldview the creation did not create itself, it was created by a creator. Mm. We have to look in our thinking, why are we believing these things? And as Christians, we believe what we believe because the evidence is so overwhelming that the creation was created by a creator. This creator had to be astoundingly powerful astoundingly intelligent, astoundingly wise. And why would he give her, us his handbook, his word, his uh, book of truth to guide us other than knowing that without his word we will never be able to understand him? And why should we doubt what this all-wise God has given to us. Why, shouldn't, why on earth should we think that fallible man and his wisdom could compare with the wisdom of the creator of all these things? These people wise with the wisdom of the world, they can't even create a rose with all the scientific advancement that they have, all the technology we've got. Everything that is now available to man, you, he cannot even create a bacterium. He's learned how he can um, work with some of its DNA to modify it. But he cannot create anything. Why should we believe this story when all the evidence is that it was created by an all-wise, all-powerful creator? And he's given us his word to show us how he did create it and how he expects us to live. 
And that call to each of us really comes so clearly oftentimes in Scripture, one of which perhaps most clearly enunciates that is in Revelation 14, 6, when we hear this eternal gospel proclaimed. It says, Then I saw another angel flying directly overhead with an eternal gospel to proclaim to those who dwell on earth, to every nation and tribe and language and people. And he said with a loud voice, now this is the eternal gospel, Fear God and give him glory, because the hour of his judgment has come, and worship him who made heaven and earth and the sea and the springs of water. We see in other places as well, in Isaiah and, um, and throughout the scriptures, that because God has created the earth, he is due all glory as the creator and all worship and obedience. And it seems that where we refuse that, um, you've mentioned even earlier in our time together, in Peter's letter, his, in 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 4, about those who turn from that truth and say, well, where is the promise of his coming? For ever since the fathers fell asleep, all things are continuing as they were from the beginning of creation. Very much like even Charles Lyell's um, proposition that all things are continuing as they were. But in verse 5 it says, For they deliberately overlook this fact that the heavens existed long ago and the earth was formed out of water and through water by the word of God, and that by means of these the world that then existed was deluged with water and perished. But the same word, the heavens and the but by the same word, the heavens and the earth that now exist are stored up for fire, being kept until the day of judgment and destruction of the ungodly. And it seems that where there's a turn away from all of those acknowledgments toward God's kingship over creation, toward his creative work, but rather that he could have done it however he so desired, not the way in which he revealed in Scripture, that we more and more take the stance to say, well, really, we can't understand what God has given us in his word. And therefore, we don't have to come to him as he's told us to in his word, to worship, to obey, even with the expectation of his coming judgment. What are some ways in that difficulty of entering into the discussion? You've noted that the, the slippery slope argument comes out very much and the responses that we can get from people within the church that hold to, say, a theistic evolution response, who say that God could have done it however he so chose, not as we see revealed in Scripture, how can we actually enter into those discussions to expose some of the fallacy in that thinking that says, well, it could have been millions and billions of years? Are there ways that we can actually dialogue with that um, to expose even some of those slippery slopes? Well, look, this passage that you've just uh, quoted is a wonderful um, example of a scripture which we can bring forward. Now, in this scripture, it says that we'll, people will be putting forward this idea that everything has just carried on as we see it now, right back into the past, beyond where we can find any measurements, right back to the beginning. And the reason the, this uh, prophecy gives is because they want to de 
deny the flood. They're willingly ignorant. They don't want to believe it. Now, this prophecy was fulfilled by a man called Charles Lyell. And he, he had the deliberate intent of denying the flood. And he wrote to an atheist friend of his who was a publisher, and he said, look, I'm wanting to get rid of all the um, respect for Moses that there is in geology. Now, Moses described the flood and said that a, this great flood came upon the earth and it destroyed the whole of creation before it. And Lyle explained to this publisher this was what he wanted to wipe away, to take away the, uh, this idea from the whole of geology. And he came together with this publisher and they agreed what to do and he wrote uh, a, a book of geology in three volumes and the whole basis of the arguments he was putting forward was everything continues as it always has. The implicit point of that is it denies the flood. So whereas one had previously found geologists saying, well, there was a huge flood and this record in the rocks is a record of that. And he put forward, forward arguments, and they were very clever arguments. He was a lawyer. He was not a geologist. He was a lawyer who wanted to put forward cunning arguments so that the Christians would be persuaded that this was the truth. And, in fact, the earth was not deluged by a flood. So everything we see in this rock record, it must have happened the way we see it now. And nowadays, he pointed out, we see sediment being laid down in the sea at one-eighth of an inch a century. That's about three millimetres a century. It's always been like that. So the rocks that we see all piled up there must be millions of years old. Three millimetres a century? Well, look, we've got hundreds of, uh, of metres of this rock, so it must have taken a very long time. And he uh, argued for the time to build up the rocks which were actually laid down in the flood, and obviously so. He argued for them being six hundred million years in the making. And the amazing thing is that people were prepared to believe that story. Well, you can imagine why the atheists believed it. They wanted to believe it. They wanted to disregard the flood. After all, it was a judgment from God because of wickedness. And that's a warning to us. If we are going to be as wicked as the people before the flood, we are asking for destruction. But if all this just happened as it is, as we see things happening today, nothing to do with the judgment, 
and we can see why the atheist would love to accept what Lyle said. The amazing thing is that Christians believed it too. So this whole story of the millions of years, as Peter pointed out in his prophecy 2,000 years ago, the people will be saying this because they are willingly ignorant. They just don't want to know about the flood. That's exactly what happened. And the sad thing is that Christians can believe it. They ought to look at this prophecy and see this is exactly what the Bible um, pr uh, predicted. It, it prophesied this and it gave the reason. It said, these are scoffers who deny the existence of the flood. And that ought to wake up anyone who is in this um, trap of being a theistic evolutionist, that they have been de deceived by these scoffers like Charles Lyle, who deliberately set out to take Moses out of geology take the flood out of geology. And a Christian shouldn't be fooled by this. He should look at the Bible and say, this is exactly what happened. All these millions of years are a fraud and a forgery just to get us away from the truth. Well, it's so important to be considering an understanding of origins, firstly, from a biblical vantage point that we can really understand how to engage with the creation that God has put forward as a testament to his own goodness, a testament to his own creative work, um, that same God who's created us and who demands all of us to serve him and love him. And where we have a love for the Lord and a love for those people around us, even in our churches, it's so imperative that we take time to consider the arguments that are being put against the Lord, against the scriptures, to defend clearly the word that he has given us um, and, and set before us. There are a variety of other resources here at Frontline that we would love to, um, to give you, to equip you with this. Um, you can visit our bookstore at Christian Liberty Books uh, or our website more generally at frontlinemissionsa.org. There's a, a whole number of resources there. Dr. Philip Stott has just recently recorded a webinar with us that covers not only what we've been uh, discussing here on theistic evolution, but also going far more into depth on some of those very evidences that have been exposed within this worldview to say the earth could have come to be over millions and billions of years. How can we respond to those arguments? Well, there's a, a great resource there in this webinar, as well as in a box set on creation versus atheism. Um, not only audio lectures on MP3, but also um, a number of PowerPoint slides and visual presentations that can be used as well. Um, also, our, our set on creation evangelism to go further into how we can connect from these discussions around creation toward leading into the gospel and to sharing the hope that we have of Christ, even who comes in judgment, but in whom we have security and salvation if we put our trust in Christ. So we encourage you to look into these resources further. There's some wonderful resources available to dig in and to see how can we be equipped to respond to these 
arguments, so many of these arguments even coming to us from within our churches, can we take a stand in a love of our Lord and his creation and a love for those people around us who we seek to expose the truth in that we would not be swept away by lies? Thank you so much for joining us for this episode of Salt and Light. We'll see you next time.